Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. What's up, Bass Edge Nation? We are rocking again here in another episode of your favorite radio show, Bass Edge. That's right. We've got another great episode rocking here for the middle of July. Things are going great. And man, it's supposed to be kind of a slow time, middle of summer. You know, you think about late July and August and things are a little tight around the bass fishing community, but there's still a lot going on out there. Well, there is. And speaking of rocking is the MegaWare Keelguard family. And obviously we talk about them. They've presented the show for, well, ever since we've been out there. But something that you don't hear a lot of, Kurt, is we've got to give the scuff buster and the pontoon guard some love, right? I mean, this is just kind of that time of year to where everybody's out doing a little tubing on their pontoons. It's a great product, as all of their products are, that goes around those aluminum pontoons to keep those from getting dinged into somebody else's boat, protects your own boat, your dock, whatever it is that you're out there running. And then also the scuff buster, where the winch strap fits into that D-ring on the front. That's right. Keeps that fiberglass protected. And who can forget the official merchandise, Kurt? Oh, yeah. Yes, the official merchandise. Don't talk about the underwear that they sent you, okay? That does not get discussed on here. <laughs> well, hey, look, what I really needed to do was remind them of what we talked about last episode, and that is the coupon code that they can use to get 15% off all purchases right there through MegaWare Keelguard's website. And that coupon code is Bass Edge. All run together, all capital letters, B-A-S-S-E-D-G-E, Bass Edge, get yourself 15%. And Aaron, you know, they've got a lot of cool stuff going on. If they missed it last episode, it has to do with some apparel, shirts, hats. Um, you talked about the pontoon guard. You talked about the scuff buster. And of course, all the great MegaWare products that we always talk about here on Bass Edge. Man, MegaWare is really stepping it up. I'm looking for them to come into uh, more aspects in this industry as we move forward. Yeah, their social media has gone nuts. I have a uh, wonderful team that we're happy to be a part of. So be sure to visit them at keelguard.com and put on the protection the pros pick as we always say. Kurt, I understand we have a uh, pretty fun episode. Yeah, we do, Aaron. And we got to get with it, too, because I've got session two of Pro Bass Camp coming up here in just a few days. So I'm on the scuttlebutt to get ready and everything. Been out of town doing the ICAST deal, which we're going to talk about that later on in some future episodes. You know, we're collecting all of our notes that we've had going on there. But, you know, we really never jumped back and talked about session one of Pro Bass Camp. I understand there was a record that was set. There by was, one man. I was super excited. Maybe we can break this record again, but Pro Bass Camp been going on seven years. That's right. Since 2012, we've been having Pro Bass Camp down here at Lake Amistad, and we had a young angler from Florida. Braden Erdman was the young man's name, and he's caught a lot of big fish in this time, but he was out fishing with uh, one of our instructors at camp, Dave Mansu. Ended up reeling in a seven-pound, three-ounce Amistad 
Lodge Giant. It's a big fish for the summertime. And, uh, dude, it was awesome. We were so excited. And uh, that's the new all-time record at Pro Bass Camp. So we're just setting marks, trying to knock them down. And uh, that's a good one to set for uh, Mr. Erdman right there. We're excited. And session two is going to be getting on the way soon. I was going to say, that is so cool. And, And now he will have the bullseye on his back being chased by that. You know, the unfortunate thing is, Kurt, I guess it's it's kind of bittersweet. Both sessions completely filled. I know you're getting ready to start session two, like you mentioned, but yeah. uh, I got to believe you're going to have to be adding a session three and so on here because <laughs> yeah. uh, the popularity is is obviously, you've done well. It's been going really well. Obviously, there is a uh, program here that we're offering young anglers throughout the country that they're excited about, we're excited about. And, you know, we've just gotten so many amazing comments, you know, once the kids come out and, and uh, participate in camp and what they've learned and it seems like they go home and they can't stop talking about it so uh, it's a lot of fun i'm super proud to be a part of it i'm ready to go man i tell you what we're ready to go on to the next thing here with bass edge because i do have lots of stuff to do but uh, we've got a great show coming up for you as well stay tuned we're gonna be right back This episode is ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with FLW Tour Angler Britt Myers. All right, guys, my tip today is not really directly related to tackle. This is more about protecting your tackle and protecting your investment. As you guys may know, I'm a big truck guy. I've actually owned and operated a truck accessory store for well over 20 years now. And I know every make and model truck top that's out there. And without a doubt, the ARE truck top is the best on the market. We invest so much money in our tackle. We don't need to get it wet. We don't need to get it stolen. ARE's truck caps keep everything safe secure, dry, you don't unload your truck at the end of the season or at the end of a tournament and your hooks are rusty or anything for that matter. Also, one of the cool things with ARE is the rod pods they have that goes on top of the truck caps. You know, they can hold a lot of rods. They're tight, they're secure, they're lockable, they're watertight. If you want to check out an ARE truck cap, go to 4are.com, check them out. That's my tip right now. Keep everything safe, secure, so you can use it for many, many years to come. Thanks, Britt. Great tip. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines.
We are back for the next segment right here on Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, I got to say, you know, we never really talk about in these segments about some of our partners and things, but that tackle tip segment, that's a cool little deal. You know, everybody kind of chiming in, throwing something out there, you know, and super obviously appreciate protecttheharvest.com for being a part of the show. It's a great little segment they got. I love those tips when we throw those out to the anglers and they just start feeding us some goodies. You never know what you're going to get, you know? Well, that's right. And, and you know, obviously, Obviously, we're dealing with the confines of attention span over audio waves, so we have to be a little bit selective of how much detail that we can go into. But one of those partners that I do want to draw attention to, because a lot of people do not realize, Kurt, the longevity of the relationship, and that is with Mark Lassane out at uh, Bass Angler Magazine. I've known him ever since that uh, Bass Edge started. Big proponent, shared really the same goal, and that's helping people be successful on the water. And I think just like Bass Edge, trying to bring the education, trying to bring the personality of the anglers. You know, Bass Angler Magazine has a huge resource. They go into a lot more detail than just kind of some of the more vanilla type publications that are out there. It does have a little bit of that West Coast flair, which quite honestly, being in the Midwest, I like. But their angler list is, you know, it's just like Bass Edge. He tries to go out and get the specialist in the particular thing that he's talking about. But man, he has all of the big names as well. Yeah, that's what makes Bass Angler Magazine special because Mark is a fisherman. He's a heck of a fisherman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A West Coast, I'm, I'll put him in legend category. He's been around for so long. I mean, everybody on the West Coast knows who Mark was saying, and, and, and he's qualified for lots of championships and stuff like that through the FLW series that runs out there and the Costa series and that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, he's a guide on the Delta. He's up to the latest stuff. So just like you and I, Aaron, he's pushing that envelope, as you mentioned. And I get the magazine. I love the magazine. I was a subscriber to it long before you know, I knew the connection between Bass Edge and Mark Lassane and, and Bass Angler Magazine. You know, you can check out all their stuff at BassAnglerMag.com. You can also get the subscriptions, which is awesome. I, I think we'll probably maybe have a little bit of special or two maybe in some coming episodes. I can feel some movement <laughs> You're not here. supposed to so, divulge that. <laughs> I'm not divulging anything. I'm just thinking that uh, this is so good that if we can't share it with some listeners, then uh, it's like everything we do here. We are givers, Aaron. Let's there face it. Isn't there like a lyrics, give it away, give it away now? Uh, that is the Chili Peppers. Yes, it is. Give it away, give it away, <laughs> get away scary. now. That, you dude, bring it back. That's because my wife, actually. My wife's a music junkie. I wouldn't <laughs> really know that in general, but my wife, she helps me with those kinds of things, so it's cool. But um, I was actually reading the recent magazine the other day, the summer 2018 issue. Cool article in there with Brent Chapman talking about licking his wounds, recovering from a bad tournament, some of the big topics in the article is uh, analyzing the performance, dealing with the mental side, avoiding, you know, kind of the meltdown mode, getting too dialed in in practice, and then how to recover from all this stuff. And this is just a piece, you know, every magazine has 15 awesome articles. And, and you know, so a lot of magazines are just covered with crazy ads everywhere. And sure, you got ads in here, but I mean, there is a lot more info than there is ads in these things. And you mentioned it being from the West coast anybody that follows bass fishing knows that some cool techniques and new innovative stuff comes from the west side so you got to stay in tune with what's going on out there in bass angler mag is a great way to do it absolutely and i can't tell you how many times i've uh, perused the past issues just kind of looking for topics and things to bring out and to dive in 
deeper and supplement our show with. So uh, it's a great resource, no doubt. You bet. And another great resource is the anglers we have right here on Bass Edge Radio. And without further ado, we are going to dive into some shallow water nastiness late summer. Here we go. Let's move on. David Williams in the house. This is 2018 Bassmaster Elite Angler Chris Bro. This is FLW Cup Co-Angler Champ Brian News. I am Pro Angler Clark Reen. This is BASS Angler of the Year Greg Hackney. I am Pro Angler Bill Lowen, and you are locked in to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Passage Nation, today we break down summer tactics with one of the best shallow water anglers in the game and maybe also one of the most committed shallow water anglers in the game. We've got with us today 2018 FLW Tour Smith Lake champion David Williams. Welcome to Bass Edge Radio, David. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, David, you know, kind of looking back, it was amazing to watch you break down Smith Lake on the FLW TV show a few weeks back. And also, I just want to throw out there, congratulations on the big W. And uh, Bass Edge listeners, if you have not had a chance to check that out, do yourself a favor and tune in to watch David break down the largemouth and spotted bass on the docks at Smith Lake. Amazing job, David. What would you say your key is for an angler to be successful in breaking down a dock and kind of do it the David Williams way? Well, I appreciate all the kind words and thank you for the support of everybody, but um, it was pretty amazing that it all worked out the way it did. But you know, breaking down a dock, each dock's completely different. I mean, you got to look at what's underneath it, look at how deep of water it's setting in, you know, if they have any cover underneath them. But uh, the time of year we were there, the shad were starting to spawn and so the bait was pushed up right up underneath the floats and that's where your bass are going to hang out you know they're going to be up tight against the float so that's what i was trying to key on david i noticed during the show your casting proficiency which i think that's like uh you're born with it out there in north carolina and south <laughs> yeah, I carolina think, i think kurt uh-huh. before the show started when you and i were talking i think you said it was almost like watching martial arts or something yeah <laughs> there's so many great anglers david from where you're around you know you got thrift and montgomery and Gosh, Cherry, Airy, the list goes on and on and on. It really does. It's a hotbed out there. And what's even more amazing out there is that a 15-pound sack is really good (laughs) out there in your neck of the woods. So it's not because they're catching a lot of giant fish and everyone just can't stand enough to get out there and go fishing. But it's really an interesting place to fish. And because of that, all of you have very good casting proficiency. And I noticed in the show the patience, not only that you showed around the docks and picking them apart, but really the patience in your casting motion. Can you explain to our listeners how your mechanics are designed to provide the excellent casting <laughs> results that you achieve? Well, they do really good editing. They edit out all the bad cast. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it's just a lot of practice. And when you grow up in the Carolinas, especially in like a, the Catawba River chain that I live around, you're predominantly fishing docks. I mean, most of the year, you got docks every 50 foot on the lake. I mean, every lake around here is like that. And there's very few times that somebody don't win off of docks. 
So you have to be efficient at it. You have to be precise with it and really maximize your time just the same way you would fishing anything else. And it just makes it a little harder target. And a lot of guys that are not used to it struggle with it. I know both of my co-anglers were uh, from Florida that I had at Smith Lake, and they, you know, they really struggled with it. They had never fished around dock. You know, when you when you say mm-hmm. that guys struggle with it, and like, and you grew up around it. So let's say for anglers that are trying to get proficient. You know, I can remember back in the day we've talked about this. I would set up targets and PVC and pitch under and that. But do you think the best way to do that is just to get out there in a boat on the water? You know, when it's not a competitive situation and just practice different angles and just pick, say, a pocket and keep going around in circles and trying to present yourself with different real live targets for that casting? Or what would you suggest? Yeah, I mean, time on the waters, you know, big key. And I mean, time out in your yard, you know, or in your garage or whatever, that can help too. But there's nothing like time on the water because you're at a completely different height when you're standing in your boat. You got different obstacles, your trolling motor, your seats, and your partner, <laughs> whatever. But uh, you just have to spend a lot of time doing it until you get efficient at it. And um, once you get efficient at it, it becomes second nature, just like riding a bike. You never forget how to do it once you do it a few times. Right. I did notice you had a little bit of a slower motion. Is there some ways that you've got some things that you've noticed throughout your learning this process and becoming proficient at it that you could maybe pinpoint that really help you achieve that success? You know, you hear about some guys, you know, spooling up less line on their reels. I know I've seen guys struggle. They try to really put a lot of whip into the rod mm-hmm. and then that gets the RPMs going too much in their reel and all of a sudden they're getting a fluffy reel, which as we all know, no, it doesn't work yeah. well either. So is there a couple things that you could maybe pinpoint for the listeners that have helped you in your understanding of how to make it an easier process to cast that way? A lot of guys try to force it. They think the harder they do it, the better it's going to do. But it's really just being smooth. You want to visualize where you want to put the bait. I, I don't even want to look at my reel, look at my rod or anything. You know, I want to look at exactly where I want to put my bait. And sometimes I may be looking at a place that's three or four inches. Right. And, and I want to put it in that spot. But I do. I fill up my reels. I run a loose drag, but I thumb the spool. And I, I do get backlashes, you know, every once in a while, maybe once a day sure. or something. But it's just something that you just have to practice with and, right. and find a way you know how to do it. Do you feel like when you're starting off, line diameter makes a big difference? Like when you're trying to start, is it easier to do it with a thicker line or a thinner line as far as, you know, just kind of getting started in this deal? I think you get less backlashes with heavier line. I mean, I typically am doing it with 17 or 20 pound test line, something like that. You know how small diameter line really tries to pinch. I mean, if you want to throw like a Senko or something like that, you know, 10, 12 pound test line, you might need smaller line, but it does paint your line a little quicker. One of the things that you brought up there, David, that I want to circle back around. First off, I do think we have the Bass Edge term of the day with uh, Kurt's use of fluffy reel. Generally, I only use that term <laughs> when I'm talking about that I ate too much. I get a little fluffy, but now, uh, you know, Kurt has given a, a new definition on that. But seriously, back to your mechanics. And, and you talked about, you know, a lot of times you're focusing, you're not looking at anything else. And it's almost like an athlete, like a pitcher or my daughter in tennis. You know, you can't be watching everything mm-hmm. that's going on, but it's almost like you're taking your dominant 
that I and kind of concentrating on that. And it's almost hard to quantify. It's almost like the less you think about it, the better mm-hmm. cast and the smoother mechanics that you have. Does that resonate with you at all? Or Oh, absolutely. I've done some, uh, not a whole lot, but I've done some competitive archery shooting over the years. And I remember when I first started, I was pretty young, probably a teenager. And we always shot like what they call 3D targets in the woods. Oh, yeah. And uh, they would have pretty difficult courses set up back then. And there would be at least one tree in front of the target every time. And you had to lean out or get down or something because there was always like, it may be just one limb, you know, I mean, it's like a quarter inch. And the target's, you know, two foot. You know, you got a big target. Right. One little quarter inch limb. And I remember every time when I first started, I was like, don't hit the limb. Don't hit the limb. Don't hit the limb. <laughs> right. Well, what did I do every time? Yeah, I hit, hit the limb. limb. Yeah. And if I would get up there and I wouldn't even see the limb, I never hit the limb. And if I just seen the target, I always hit the target. So it's what you're focusing on. If you pull up to a dock, and I can still do it at this point, you know, if I pull up there and I know there's a fish going to be laying up under that one corner of the dock, if I see him or if I just know he's going to be there and I try to pitch up under there, I'm like, don't hit the dock. Don't hit the dock. Bam, you know, I hit the dock, you know. (laughs) And if I just relax and just try to fish for the fish, I'm, you know, I'll put it right in there. Yeah, that's a great analogy. It's it's, kind of like the guy's trying to, I think it was that movie, be bagger vance on when you see the you know seeing the line on the green or like you talked about i'm i did the same thing kind of with the archery and the 3d back in the day mm-hmm. and you're exactly right so that's I, great i analogy. think we could take this to another level too guys i mean i think you take it to the level of going to a tournament or going to do anything in life and you're just thinking about how not to screw it up well, yep. and not Instead to not to, to lose well. yeah exactly right the mental mind is an amazing thing and i think that just goes on with everything else that we talk about all the time here at bass edge which is the mental approach of life and fishing obviously which turns into a mental approach of life is if you're thinking about how not to screw it up you're just going to screw it up but if you're thinking yep. about how to win or thinking about how to do things the best that you can possibly achieve then you have more success than not and uh it's just an important well, yeah process. i mean i know you know this kurt been around bass fishing longer than i have probably and just uh, uh if you get into like a season where you have a couple bad tournaments then your third or fourth tournament you know you've had two bad ones and then, yes. then you're like man i just got to make a check just got to make right. a check right. well then you go out and bomb again you know exactly but if exactly. you just if you go out there the first two tournaments and finish top 10 then that third tournament you're like i ain't got nothing to worry about and it just happens you get that confidence train rolling and you get that positive mentality and it just works well it sounds like yeah. right there a chapter out of dr j mcnamara's psychology that's exceptional right. fishing book i mean that's, uh, <laughs> that's is, right. david's the disciple right there well hey before we head into break coming into kind of late july we're halfway through it here what type of shallow patterns are you looking for that really should continue to hold up in this heat of the summer it don't matter how hot it is i'll always pick up some kind of top water to begin my day whether it's a popper or spook or buzz bait something along that line I'm going to fish the first probably two to three hours doing nothing but that. And then I may progress out a little bit more. But uh, if they're biting, I've had days where I could do it all day. Just depends. But I'm definitely going to start out with it this time of year. And what about as far as, let's say, like you said, a popar versus and sticking with it, or maybe it's a buzz bait, maybe whatever your top water bait of choice is at that point in time. How long do you give mm-hmm. a bait before you move on to something else like what you're mentioning there? It depends on what I'm seeing. This time of year, 
you know, if I'm seeing a lot of brim beds or something like that, I may stick with it all day, you know, or mayfly hatch. You can stick with it all day long. And I've had tournaments like that. I mean, it could be 100 degrees and the water temperature mid to upper 90s and catching them in less than a foot of water all day. One thing that kind of hurts it a little bit, you, you know, you get into a lot of boat traffic. Kind of hurts that the deal. But, stuff. Right. Yeah. But you can still catch them up there. But most times then you got to go to something like a jig or a spinner bait or something a little bit subsurface. You know, just because it's rocking so bad and chopping it up pretty bad. Sure. It's often that we get into this time of year and we just keep talking about deep fishing, deep fishing, deep fishing. And that's one of the major reasons I wanted to have you on the show, Davis, because you prefer, I feel like that you prefer being in knee deep water than being in water that's 10, 15 or 20 foot deep. Would that be a correct statement? Yeah, I mean, I prefer that. But I also, I I try to do what everybody else is not doing. I don't like being in a crowd. Sure. You know? If everybody else is out fishing deep, I'm not going to be fishing deep most of the time unless I just absolutely cannot find anything shallow. And that's the reason I struggle a lot of times on places like Kentucky Lake or these places where people stack up. I'm not going to get into a situation like that. I just don't like it. Just sure. uh, try to stay away from it. And sometimes it burns me. What are some key features that you're looking for this time of year and the later part of summer? You know, obviously, we still got all August to go. It's going to be hot in August, but things start changing, and I feel like in late August, we're where you almost get like a fall type movement because, you know, some of the bait fish start moving up on the bottom. But as you mentioned, doing something a little bit different this time of year would be going shallow. And what are some Mm -hmm. of the other key features? You talked about brim bed. You talked about, you know, being able to visually see maybe some life or activity up there. Is there any kind of key feature, structure, or cover that you feel like will really help you also keep fish shallow that you can concentrate on this time of year? Anytime you can find some kind of shade, overhanging bushes, seawalls, stuff like that, where you need to keep you a shade line all day long, you know. Right. Um, anytime you got shade, fish will live in it. You know, the quickest way to find out if they're there is, is get up there and either walk the bank or get up close to it and you can see them. If they're there, they'll bite something, you know, but um, generally those shallow fish this time of year don't weigh as much as the fish that are out. They don't feed as much, but there's always some good ones shallow and you can always be competitive shallow. I feel like just have to find out if they're there or not i always spend a lot of time back when i used to fish night tournaments at home a lot when i would get there early a lot of times i would just walk the bank around the arenas around the docks and stuff and if i seen brim or bass just cruising around the bank i knew i was going to be fishing shallow that evening if i didn't see anything i was like okay well i probably need to start off on some rock or some brush piles or something out off of the bank a little bit you know just little things like that kind of can key you in a little bit yeah i think a lot of times that's overlooked you know what you can see with your eyes can really you know obviously sight fishing you know everybody talks about seeing stuff sight fishing and all that kind of thing but uh actually seeing bait activity is is real important Mm -hmm. and critical so uh that's a great tip david hang tight we're gonna take a quick break bass edge radio will be right back discussing more late summer shallow water fishing techniques with flw tour pro david williams we'll be back in a minute Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. 
This segment of Bass Edge Radio is brought to you in part by PowerPole Shallow Water Anchors. Returning with FLW Tour Pro Angler David Williams and our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit the BassEdge.com store. It works. David, real quick, let's continue our discussion on some late summer shallow water situations. You mentioned a little bit earlier about temperature. You know, you upwards of 100 degrees sometimes water temps you'll see some fish i'll remember a uh red river flw cup that i think randall tharp won it in like six or ten inches of water and the water temp was like Mm -hmm. 100 degrees but uh are there any types of conditions or temperatures that you just look at it and say i've got to vacate this or or is it just a matter of going up there trying it for a while and then just deciding you've got to leave at that point i'm gonna look for it regardless you know, I remember one instance in my head also that we were at Lake, I believe it's called Sinclair in uh, Georgia. We were there for a never start years ago, which is the coast of Syria now. But sure, it was extremely hot. It was sometime around July and they have a hot water discharge there also. But everywhere on the lake I saw was between 95 and 100 degrees. Oh and every, everybody smokes. was fishing. Yeah, everybody was fishing out. Well, day one, I got up there and started fishing seawalls with a popper and was in seventh or eighth place and cold fish all day long and basically ran around and seen nobody all day. <laughs> of course, you know how work gets around day two. It seemed like everybody was doing it, but uh, <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but there was a lot of fish up there, even even considering it was that hot. What about kind of the situation of like what you just speak of? Maybe you're looking for that quality fish, or you've got the recreational angler that is more just wanting to try and catch a big fish or get that big bite. Do you target a bass differently in the late summer, or how would you do that kind of in the shallows? What advice can you give to them? You know, probably the best thing you could do is you could catch them anywhere early in the morning. I'd doing some kind of top water bigger fish are probably going to be on some kind of a point you know target all the points in the area or uh, another thing i like to do is go somewhere where you can find some kind of moving water whether it be up the river behind a dam or way up a creek where the water is a little bit cooler where you got a little especially if you get some rain inflow and i've seen this time of year you may find a 15 degree temperature difference in the last fourth of a creek so sometimes you just got to find that stuff a uh, little key subtle changes like that and it can make a difference in catching some big ones this time of year and you just have to be open-minded. David, are you a big proponent of big bait, big fish this time of year? I can remember another FLW deal on a Wachital that uh, Brad Knight won, drop shotting lay down trees late in the summer. Of course, you know, he's using a little robo worm and stuff, but obviously you think about yeah. frogs or swim baits, you know, other big baits. This time of year, do you think that plays a big factor what's your opinion on that no I, I really don't think so i think you really just have to match what kind of stuff they're eating and, you know there's times of year when they're eating brim as big as your hand or gizzard shad you know right. and that's when you want the big old pencil popper type baits and the big old buzz baits and then there's times of the year when they're maybe eating brim fry you know or they're eating some kind of fry that is basically the size of a noodle or something you know and that's when you you know you have to go to your little small tiny poppers or maybe a little eight ounce buzz bait or you know something like that they catch big ones too but you have to kind of look like what they're eating or they'll just come out there and look at it and go right back home it's like they don't believe it (laughs) yeah Yeah. that ain't what i'm seeing around my environment 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Next question I've got for you. You've had a great year with the FLW Tour. I mean, fantastic. What do you feel has enabled you to work your way to the top of the FLW Tour versus having some mediocre success on the Bass Elite Series the last couple of years? It's kind of like this year you found a stride and you rolled with it and got the Tour win. Those are hard to come by. <laughs> so uh, what oh, yeah, do you feel like yeah. is different for you in 2018? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm making better decisions for one thing and game confidence you know i came into bass pretty much straight out of fishing like bfls you know i fished one year on the opens one to points and then made the decision to to move on to bass you know it's like i fished some opens years ago when they were like pro on pro draw but this is the first year i came back to fish them so i mean going straight pretty much from uh bfls to the elite series is a pretty big curve yeah that's a big curve yeah and I come in, and my rookie class, uh, when I came into Bass, was Brent Ayler, Toby Kreger, uh, Michael <laughs> Frazier, Jordan Lee, you know, Matt Lee. You know, it's like, you know, Jordan and Matt didn't fish the tour, but all the other guys that I mentioned, they fished many years on the FLW tour, you know, when I came well, in. And I got to say, uh, Jordan and Matt were blessed. You know, they fished a lot of different yeah. events throughout their college careers and was able to travel and have success there. And then when they started fishing the Opens, they didn't fish a regional southeast division and then just roll with it mm-hmm. they fished all nine events As a matter of fact i remember seeing them down here at amistad and i'm thinking man those young guys traveled a long <laughs> way they're they're pretty serious yeah. about this stuff but uh well, that, that you, gives you, you know, a those, lot those, of experience yeah those guys work together really well too sure you know they're almost like twins and it's like they work together really well but uh anyway i kind of got off your question a little bit but yeah you know and i think decision making was one big thing that really helped me out as far as the time goes around i felt like i had the ability to do well but a lot of my decisions weren't the right decisions so that comes around with being on tour for a few years and bass is pretty intense there's a big intimidation factor out there you're fishing around a lot of guys you've watched your entire life and looked up to and you come out there and just try to compete with them right off the bat you know and when i made the move over to flw one one thing i did like i like the scheduling a whole lot better uh, I think it fitted me. You know, I, I know, Kurt, you fished bass for many years, too. And, sure. And, and, you know, bass, it seems like they never visit anywhere that has docks. You yes. know, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it's like everywhere they go to has grass or grass or grass. <laughs> and, and, and if you look back through all the bass events, you know, except for exception of one or two throughout the year, sure. they're all grass events. And coming from North Carolina, guess what? We have no grass. That, that's exactly you know, right. You've got very little and, vegetation. Uh, if any, yeah. So I grew up fishing with very little knowledge of grass. And that's one thing we moved over to FLW. You know, you always have the Florida events, um, right. which I was able to survive this year. But then the rest of the year, you know, you fish the Lake Lanier. Yep. You know, lots of docks. You yes, know, you, exactly. You, you fish the uh, Smith Lake. Sure. You got docks. Lots of docks. You know? yep. So you got events that set up that fit me you know some of my best events on the uh, elite series were events 
where we did have a few docks where, you know, I could get out there and fish for those fish. But I feel like that's a lot of the difference. Um, that makes a lot of sense. The schedule really sets up to fit me. And, man, I also, I love that day off. I don't know about you, man, but I yeah, mean, I'm, awesome. not a spring, I'm not a spring <laughs> chicken anymore. But I felt like I was so rushed in bass. I mean, you come off the water on day three, and it's like, okay, I got to get everything ready in like an hour. And then as soon as I get everything ready, I got to go to the meat. And then I got to eat supper. And then I got to go to bed. You know, it's just continuous. You're on the fly. And then on FLW, man, you have three hard days of practice. And then day four, you can sleep late. You can get oh, your tackle right. done. You can wash, wash your truck, wash your boat. You know, you need to go get your haircut or whatever. You know, you just relax, you know. Yeah, and, do what you uh, got to do. Man, you feel, you feel like a new man. You can get stuff on your boat fixed. And you start with a clean slate. And it also gives the fish a day to rest also. And right. um, which is big after they've been pounded for three days. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's a great perspective. There's becoming more and more of us that have either gone from FLW to bass or bass to FLW and some guys that have gone back and forth three or four times. So uh, it's pretty interesting to get all the different perspectives and see why you just have some good years and some tougher years. And it's good to understand why we have those, because I think it puts as an angler for me and looking at anglers like you, it puts a lot of things into perspective of understanding what makes a bass fisherman successful. Who really cares what... uh, events that he's fishing it's just you know what's making him tick what's bringing him to the leaderboard i think that's important to understand and analyze just for all of us to be better anglers david we're going to work into our listener question right now for this episode this segment is brought to us by nitro performance bass boats somebody you're familiar with (laughs) nitro there right yes sir (laughs) good partner to have you bet aaron runs the nitro and uh he loves that thing and i don't know a whole lot about it but as good as everybody talks about it it's got to be a dang quality product so Good to have him part of Bass Edge. Today's question comes from Forrest Salmons. Forrest asks, one of the lakes that I've been going to in Virginia Beach, I have seen bass chasing shad through the lily pads. I can hear them sometimes see them moving the pads. I've tried many different approaches to catch these fish. The lake I'm referring to has very muddy water all the time. I'm wondering what is the best way to catch these bass? Throwing all kinds of different baits to include creatures, swim baits bladed jigs and most of the time i'm just getting hung up or it doesn't get into the water hoping you'd be able to point me into a better approach to catching these fish you know one big trick that they always do in florida is the uh, speed worm and man that thing works and a lot of times you don't catch them on it but they will show themselves on it and then you know once they show themselves you pitch you some kind of creature bait or something right to that spot or a cinco or something like that but um that would probably be one of my choices it puts off you know you take that big mag speed worm and you know a lot of guys either do it if they want to keep it up on top they take it with no weight or if you want to get it down just a little bit just put like a maybe an eight ounce or three sixteenths ounce sinker in front of it but um that would probably be a good choice and then you could always do like a, a swim jig through it and, you know you spoke of having muddy water you know make sure you use some kind of scent and you can always put rattles in your bait stuff like that but uh, they will find it you know it don't matter how muddy the water is you got a bait moving like that they can find it awesome david i appreciate you answering that question for forrest and forrest thank you for your support of bass edge and sending that into the show please contact us through our facebook or send us an email to support at bassedge.com to receive 
receive your gift. And a reminder to all Bass Edge listeners, send in your questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning the Bass Edge gift. You can also email us, support at Bass Edge, or leave us a comment on any of our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. David, it's been great to have you on the show. I wish you continued luck and success as you kind of close out the season with a huge event. Any final words for Bass Edge Nation as we kind of shut this down? Yes, it's been a great year for me and, um, you know, just looking forward to the cup and and seeing how everything goes and uh, hopefully I can continue through on to the next year and just hope everybody uh, got a little bit out of this and learn how to catch a few more fish. That's what it's all about. You bet, David. We're going to definitely learn more about catching some fish shallow. We're going to avoid all those crowds out there offshore. That's the plan. (laughs) But I tell you what, we've got a quick little segment called Four Last Questions for You and uh, one one of it has to do with those little funny instances that happened not too long ago. Do you stop on that ledge or move on, David? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it depends on how good I'm catching them up shallow, but, uh, you know, I know we were at Kentucky Lake recently, and, you know, if there's a good-looking ledge close by, I may idle over it and make a cast or two, and, man, they really got to be on the ledge for me to stop on them. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, I hear you. They're going to have to be stacked up. I'm not going to spend much time with it. All right. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I would say probably one if he's got, like, salmonella or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get that, whatever that is. You know, the elephant eats that chicken and he's done for pretty much. There you, uh, there you yeah. go. That's, I never <laughs> thought about that. That's a great answer. All right. What's your favorite <laughs> restaurant on the road? Uh, probably somewhere I stop at a lot is Chick fil A. I like some Chick fil A chicken. All right. And what's the wildest thing you've seen in a fish's stomach that you've caught? Probably uh, fishing some of these tidal rivers. I have seen them spit up like some uh, shrimp. You don't, oh, you know, yeah. something, you know, we fish in all impoundments, so you don't ever have that, but uh, they, they do eat a lot of shrimp on these uh, tidal rivers, so uh, that's probably the strangest thing I would guess. That's a good one. Well, David, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Bass Edge Radio will return right after this message. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you.
Kurt, I enjoyed, as always, listening to David Williams and learning from him, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, that Zach Brown song, you know, Toes in the Water, Something in the Sand, because that's kind of where he likes to fish is very, very shallow. Yeah, you heard it from him. He's going to push the envelope on the shallow water techniques. And oftentimes, just, I mean, we did last episode, we talked about fishing deep in the summertime, and David Williams proves that there's options. You know, there's other things to do than go out there and stare at your graph and look for brush piles and do some things like that. He's able throughout his career and, and many times in life now to push that envelope up shallow, figure out why some bass are up there, obviously using a lot of his visual ability to see bait and other things that are going on up there. But really, you know, he might not get 30 bites a day, but it doesn't take 30 bites to do well in a tournament. It doesn't take 30 bites to have a lot of fun in a day either. I mean, you know, flipping, pitching, throwing at shade lines, those kinds of things, fishing docks. It's all a lot of fun and still something that's a very viable way to fish right through these hot months. We're in late July, but even right into August. And I think even as the end of August comes, that shallow bite really starts to shine much brighter, much, much brighter than the offshore deep bite just because of the uh, different things that the bait fish start moving and kind of transitioning into that fall time frame. Yeah, and I tell you something else it doesn't take as much of, and that is line. I like being able to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> keep that short line going and, and like you said it's a lot of fun but on the line we've kept you on here long enough bass edge nation we appreciate you each and every episode tuning us in certainly have a lot of choices and ask that you keep up with us on all things social media as well as follow us to the website you probably noticed bassedge.com has a little bit of a new look there's still time to act on all of those specials that are featured up there in the corner of the bassedge.com website so for kurt dove i am aaron martin and the rest of the bass edge crew want to wish you a safe try to be a little bit cool out there this summer we will see you next episode right here on bass edge radio the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats lucas oil protecttheharvest.com mercury marine lawrence electronics power pole and rapaholic.com 